God's word for our meditation is the Old Testament lesson appointed for this Sunday in Lent from Exodus chapter 17. The whole Israelite community set out for the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. How do they not get it by now? It's been 11 chapters of Exodus already. And these Israelites have seen some incredible, amazing things. They saw the plagues in Egypt, one after another, right? The blood and the boils, and the frogs, and over and over, all of these plagues that God sent upon Egypt because Pharaoh wouldn't let his people go from slavery. And then came that tenth plague, right? The Passover, where that angel of death passed over and killed the firstborn in every home except where that blood of the lamb was on those door frames. And because of that, Pharaoh let those people go. They were free from their slavery. But if that wasn't enough... Right, Pharaoh's army pursues them. And they're scared, right? They're between the army and the Red Sea. And God parts a sea for them to walk through on dry ground. And then when they get through, makes those waters go back again and drowns their enemies. If that wasn't enough, they complained about water a first time. They found some water, but it was bitter. And they complained about how bad it was. And God tells Moses to take this piece of wood and put it in the water, and it became clean and delicious for them to drink. And then they complain about food. They're hungry. And God miraculously makes bread, manna, appear every morning for them. And then quail, they even get meat to eat in the middle of the desert. They've seen all of these things happen. They should know by now what their God is able to do who he is, how much he loves them, and how much he cares for them, how faithful he is to his word. But what do we see here yet again in Exodus chapter 17? The problem in this account here is not that the Israelites are thirsty. That's not the problem. The problem here is that they don't trust that the Lord will meet that need that they have. And they test God. They challenge God. 
They ask, is the Lord among us or not? (laughs) And they quarrel with his servant and their leader, Moses. The problem is not the thirsting. The problem is how they go about it. It's not coming to Moses and saying, God has provided so much for us in the past and we know he's going to provide for us now. Can you ask God to, to give us some water? We're a little thirsty here. But their attitude is one of testing and quarreling and challenging. And that's the problem here. They wanted proof that God was with them. They wanted proof that God really did love them and was faithful and was going to take care of them. What are you thirsting for? What are you thirsting for in your life right now? Are you thirsting for love? Just to be loved? To feel that security of love? Are you thirsting for just knowing that my needs are going to be met today and hopefully tomorrow? Are you thirsting for answers? Answers to questions in your life that just seem so complicated? Are you thirsting for just the feeling of God's presence? Because right now you feel so alone. Are you thirsting for purpose? You just want to have a good reason why you should get out of bed again tomorrow morning. What is it you're thirsting for in this life? Maybe it's one of those things. Maybe it's a combination of those things. Maybe it's, maybe it's something else, but you know what it is. What are you thirsting for? And let me assure you, dear friend, that, that thirsting for those things is not a problem. Those are good things to thirst for. But has your thirsting for those things turned to testing God? Challenging God? Doubting God? Like these Israelites in the desert, thirsting for water. Just like them, their problem wasn't their thirst. Their problem was they weren't sure that God could provide or that he would. And how about you? Whatever it is you're thirsting for, do you think God can provide it and that he will? Or have you been testing him and challenging him? Like these Israelites we have all this evidence in front of us that we should trust God, right? There's so many current blessings that you have and so many past evidences of God's faithfulness to you and his love for you that 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 should be enough, just like for these Israelites. But how often it isn't, isn't it? We get so focused on what's in front of us and what we think we're so desperately lacking and missing that that we so easily forget the past. We so easily forget to look around at all the wonderful blessings God gives, just like those Israelites. 
And very often we're, we're, we're thirsting for things that, that we want to have, but we don't go to the right place for them. We, we thirst for these things like, like love and the assurance of God's presence and, and the, the promise that he's going to care for my earthly needs and peace for my heart and answers to my troubles in life and a purpose for living in this world. Right? We thirst for these things and, and we know where we can find the answers, but how often do we look in all, all different places? We want them but we don't go to where God tells us we can have them. How foolish. How foolish. And where do you find them? You know. You're sitting here because you know. You know where to find all of these blessings that you thirst for and long for, that your heart desires. Jesus says, I am the living water. Whoever drinks of this water that I give will never, ever thirst again. Instead, it becomes a spring that wells up to eternal life. Water is incredibly important for our bodies, isn't it? And I asked in the children's sermon, and maybe you were thinking, do, do I drink enough water? We, we know the benefits of, of, of drinking enough water, but how, how often we don't. I just think about all the health benefits there are for you, that if you just drink a little more water, it's good for your heart, it's good for your lungs, it's good for your skin, it gives you more energy, it gives you more brain power, all those things that can help for kids, they can help for adults too. Jesus promises something far greater than blessings for our physical body and the water that he offers. Far greater. And I know our, our, what we sometimes do, we need, we need a drink, right? We, we know we should go for water. What do we go for? We go for soda. We go for juice. Maybe a beer, right? We go for these things that really don't quench our thirst. And how often we don't do that in life too. We go for the junk to try to quench the thirst that we have, but knowing, knowing that only Jesus can really satisfy that thirst. Knowing only Jesus can truly satisfy. Not, not, my, not my job, not my status in life, not even the people in my life, not my money. All of this quote-unquote junk that we try to quench our thirst with will always leave us Thirsty. And maybe dehydrated. And in a very dangerous spot, spiritually speaking. But to come back to the well where we know that we will find everything that our soul longs for and thirsts for. Jesus, the living water. That only he can offer. You know, God should have, at least in our opinion, probably just had enough of their complaining at this point and just been done with them. Just start over. <laughs> or, or at least punish them for, for their 
lack of trust, for their testing of him, their quarreling with Moses. But he doesn't do that here. He doesn't destroy them. He doesn't punish them. He answers their cries. And it's really incredible how he does it here. This is what he does. He says in in verse 6, he says, he's talking to Moses, I, saying God, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. God says, I myself will stand there in front of you and do this miraculous thing. God doesn't turn his back on his people. God doesn't forsake his people. God doesn't punish his people. God stands in front of them and shows them mercy and grace. My friends, that's the same thing he does for you. When you test him, when you challenge him, when you doubt him, he should destroy you and me. (laughs) He should be done with us forever. He should punish us in some way, but he doesn't. What he does instead is he sends his own son to stand before you, to shield you from that wrath to take it upon himself. To stand before you and take your place. To cover himself in all of your sin and all of your evil and all of your doubts and all of your challenging and testing of God. Jesus clothed himself in all of that so that God would have to strike him instead of you. And he did. because he loves you. Because he shows mercy to you. Because he wants to pour out his grace upon you. Because he wants you to be able to taste of the living water. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul's led by the Holy Spirit to refer back to this very account about how God provided water from a rock for his people. And there Paul is led by the Spirit to identify that what that was really all about. Yes, it was about providing for the needs of his people at that very moment, on that very day. But Paul writes there that that spiritual rock, that rock there in that Old Testament was, was really Christ. It was a picture of Christ. That rock that was struck for us so that we might have overflow to us this living water, this well that will never, ever run dry. Every single blessing that your heart needs and your soul longs for, forgiveness for every single sin, peace with God, the knowledge that you are never alone, that your life does have real purpose to live for him and for his glory everything that your heart and soul are longing for and thirsting for is found in Christ, that rock from whom every spiritual blessing flows in abundance. 
in our Hebrews lesson that we read. We heard about how these Old Testament people challenged God and tested God and hardened their hearts towards him. And this generation that got to see all these miracles and, and still were so stubborn and still so unbelieving, they didn't get to enter into the promised land. This generation did not. That's what it said in our Hebrews lesson, because they continued to doubt God and turn away from God, they wouldn't enter that rest. And those words of, of Hebrews are there for a warning for us, New Testament Christians, to learn from the example of these Old Testament people, to learn from God's Old Testament chosen people, or you, that God's New Testament chosen people. And what's the warning and what's the encouragement? He says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but instead in encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What do we do? We repent. We repent of our sins that, that lead us away from from our living God. And together we encourage one another. We encourage one another daily. We point each other back to that living water of Jesus when we see each other struggling, when we see each other lonely and hurting. We get to lead each other back to that rock of Jesus Christ and to point each other back to where we can have every spiritual blessing. How do you turn the temptation of testing God into trusting God? How do we do that? Because it is a real temptation, isn't it? Every day that you walk through the wilderness of this life, it's so easy to begin to test God so how do you turn that testing into trusting? Well, first off, remember the past. Yes, go back to those Old Testament scriptures. Go back to the New Testament scriptures. See how God has been so faithful to his people for generation after generation. But, but you don't even have to go back that far. Go into your past. And see the faithfulness of your God. See the love that he has shown to you and how he has cared for you over and over and over. Remember what he has done for you. How do you turn the temptation to test into trusting? Well, encourage each other. Be the church. Be brothers and sisters. Care for one another lead each other back to that rock of Christ and that living water. How do you turn the temptation of testing the Lord into trusting him? Continue to come and drink. Come and drink of the living water here in word and sacrament. Stop dehydrating yourself. You know where you can find every blessing that your soul is longing for and thirsting for. It's right here. Jesus has come. Come and drink. 
Take all that you need. It's all yours, all by grace. God will do it. Amen.